And uh, I'm happy to tell you that we are beginning a brand new message series today called Faith Builders. It's all about encouraging your faith so that you can believe God for what he has for you, so that you can believe God for what he wants to do in your life and through your life. And over the next few weeks, we're going to dive deep into what the scripture has to say about faith and how to activate faith in our lives. And I'm excited about what God is going to do in this series for a number of reasons, but let me tell you the main reason that I'm excited to bring you this series. I'm excited to bring this to you because I feel like this series is a prepping ground. I feel like it's a preparation series for what God wants to do. I believe that God is getting us ready to do something very special here at Life Chapel. And I believe that it's going to require a greater level of faith and expectation for us to go to where he's calling us to go as a church. We have felt stirred in this for the last several months. When I say we, I'm talking about the leadership of the church. It hasn't just been me. Several people have reached out, and we're all saying the same thing. God wants to do something fresh. God wants to do something new. He wants to do a new thing. He wants to blow a fresh wind on us. He wants to set us forth into a greater season of harvest and ministry. If we were going to put a word on it, what God wants to do, the word I would use is revival. I believe God wants to breathe revival into our church and into our community and into the nation and all over the world. I believe that's what God has in his heart to do. And when I say revival, I'm not talking about something that we plan and we schedule and we have our hands in. No, it's a sovereign move of the Spirit of God. He breathed on it and it's happening. He started it and he's sustaining it. I believe that's what God wants to do, a genuine move of his Spirit. But here's the thing. I'm not so sure we're ready to receive it. And Paul wrote about this very thing, this very concern in his letter to the church in Corinth. When he told them in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, he said, When I came to you, I wanted to give you more. Corinthian believers, I wanted to give you more knowledge. I wanted to give you more truth. I wanted to entrust deeper things of God to you. I wanted to give you some meat, but when I came to you, I could only continue giving you milk. Why? Because you were not ready to receive what God had ready for you. And according to Paul, in his letter, what was going on is worldliness was occupying the place where a vibrant faith should have been growing and developing in this church. Their faith was lacking, and that caused them to miss out on the more that God had ready for them. And if we're not careful... I think any church can fall into this. We can find ourselves in the same boat. We can find ourselves as a church that cannot receive what God has for them because we're simply not ready for it. We can find ourselves being a church that can't advance beyond a certain place, a church that cannot reach its full potential because it is a church that will not prepare itself and make itself ready for what God has in store for them. Also think about what Jesus said to the churches in the book of Revelation at the end of the New Testament. He said, hey, you need to change some things, and if you don't, I'm going to pull my lampstand away from you. See, there, there is, there, God, God works and God moves, and everything that God does in his church is up to him, but it is also up to us to be ready and to prepare ourselves to be a part of what God wants to do. And so I believe in this current season here at Life Chapel, I believe God is calling on us to prepare ourselves for what he longs to do in and through us, I believe he's calling us to make ourselves ready to receive it. And let me tell you, this is so important 
Because it's not just so that God will get glory and he can do what he wants to do. The bottom line is we need it. We need what God wants to do in our lives. Our families need it. Our city needs it. The nation and the world needs it. We need a fresh, strong move of the Spirit of God. And I want you to look at this promise from Scripture that accompanies preparation from the people of God. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, this is what the Scripture says. It says, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now look at verse 5. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. What's the Bible saying? It's saying when you take time to prepare yourself, when you make a road for God to come down, when you take the high places and bring them down, and the low places and you bring them up, and you take the crooked places and you make them straight, then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. When we take time to prepare ourselves, the promise is the glory of the Lord will come. And then here's another one in Psalm chapter 24, verse 7. The Bible says, lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory, you ask? It's the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Again, what's the scripture saying? It's saying prepare the way, open the door. And when you, when you take time to prepare, when you open the door, the king of glory is going to come in. You want to feel the wind of the spirit blow? You better open up a window. You want Jesus to come into your house? Then you need to open up the door to him. And look what he does when he comes walking in and shows up. He starts fighting on your behalf. He starts winning battles that you've gotten bogged down in. He shows himself to be strong and mighty, a God who fights for you and brings victory to your life. And this is what God is calling us to do. I believe he wants to move. But I believe there's something we must do in order to prepare ourselves to receive what he has for us. And that's what this series is all about. It's about how to build our faith so that we can, restore, so that we can receive what God has in store for us. Because this is what I know. It takes faith to receive anything from God. It takes faith to receive anything from God. And the more faith you have, listen, the better position you're going to be in to receive more from God. How many know the woman with the issue of blood? You remember that story. How many know she would have never received her healing if she didn't have the faith to leave her house and go after Jesus and reach out and touch the hem of his garment? It was her faith that caused her to do that. So when we, when we, when we activate faith and we let faith rise and it causes us to go after Jesus, what it does is it puts us in position. It prepares us to receive what God has for us. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 speaks of this as well. Look at this. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe. That's faith. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And watch this that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And see, that's why we've got to build up our faith because there is a reward on the other side of our preparation in our faith-building season. And I believe this is what God is calling us to do right now so that we can receive the future rewards that he has for us. We need to increase our faith. And I'm going to dive into this scripture in just a minute in Hebrews chapter 11. In fact, we're going to start in verse 1 today. But before we get into it, I want to pray and I want us just to ask God to speak to us. I want, him to ask, I want to ask him to speak clearly to us so that we can have an encounter with him that will cause us to be changed today by his spirit. Come on, let's pray together. Father, again, we thank you. We thank you for your presence that's in this room. Lord, we thank you for the promises contained in the scripture, Lord. 
God, that uh, you've got more for us. There's a reward waiting on us, God. Lord, that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And so, Father, I pray, God, that as your word goes forth today, our faith would rise. Your word said faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So, Lord, I pray that as your word goes forth today, our faith would rise. Lord, make good on that promise today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, Hebrews chapter 11 This is where I want to kick off the series on faith because this chapter of the Bible is literally called the faith chapter. This entire chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, is dedicated to helping you and me increase our faith in God. It is the ultimate faith builder if you read it. And it's interesting because it begins by telling us what faith is exactly. It defines what faith is in a biblical sense for us in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Look at it with me. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm going to read it again. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I want to sort of break this verse down today, and I want to do some teaching based on what is the biblical definition of faith. And here's the first thing that you need to know according to this scripture and the definition of faith. Faith is substantive. Faith is substantive. And what that means, and it's based off of that word in the New King James Version and in the King James Version, that word substance. What that means is, it's not, it's not saying that faith is a liquid. That's not what that word means. It means that, it means that it's based on something real and tangible. It has substance to it. Faith is substance. Now, stay with me here because I want to show you something. Because in the New King James Version and in the King James Version that preceded it, the word is substance. And that's how I memorized this verse when I was a kid. Faith is the substance of things. And that's how I remembered it. But then I remember going to Bible college and I started using the NIV a whole lot. And, and, and they used a completely different word than substance. They said confidence. Faith is the confidence of things hoped for. And then there's other translations that you may use, like the amplified version that says, faith is the assurance. And if we're trying to establish a working definition of this word faith, I think it's really important that we've got to know what this word should be. What word should go there? What is faith really? And so as I was pondering that question, I went, as I often do, I went to my New Testament uh, Greek, my Greek New Testament defined the meaning of this because I wanted to see what is the Greek word and how should this thing be translated. And as is often the case when I get into my Greek New Testament, I get bombarded with all kinds of things I didn't know were there, which is amazing to me. And the Greek word here for substance or assurance is the word hypostasis. Say that with me. Hypostasis. One more time. It's so much fun. Hypostasis. And that is a compound word. I remembered studying this word when I was a Greek student at Lee University. I remembered learning hypostasis. And what I remembered about it is that it's a compound word. It's, it's two words pushed together. It's like every one. It gets pushed together. And hupo means under, and stasis means to stand. And so literally the word in the Greek is that which stands under. In other words, what the Bible is trying to tell you is that it is the foundation. So what the writer is trying to tell us is this, 
is that faith for the people of God is foundational to everything else in our lives. Our faith is not just what we believe, like the world would define. It's not just what we believe about God. Our faith actually forms the foundation, watch this, that we build our entire lives from. It's the thing underneath that keeps us standing successfully no matter what we deal with and no matter what we go through and remain standing no matter what life decides to throw our way. And let me just take a minute here and, and, and preach for a minute because I had somebody some time ago tell me that their faith in God was good even though their life was falling apart. Their life was literally in shambles. It was falling apart all around them. They were, they were on the brink of losing it entirely, but they were like, don't worry, my faith is good. And I thought, you know, that, that's not possible. Friend, if your faith was good, your life would not be falling apart. And I think oftentimes we get distracted by what the life issues are, what the surface issues are, what we're dealing with on the surface of things, but really there's a foundational issue. There's a faith in God issue. There's something wrong down here, and we can't stand, we can't remain standing because we don't have anything firm to stand on because we have a faith problem. And so I just thought about that. Like, we've got to stop focusing on what we see on the surface of things. And sometimes we've got to dig down and start building up our faith. Now, let me be clear about something. I'm not talking about coming under spiritual attack. The Bible teaches that we will be attacked by the enemy. Watch this. Because of our faith. Spiritual attack in your life is not an indicator that you have a faith problem. I've heard people preach that and teach that over the years, and that is completely in error. Your faith in God is the reason that the enemy comes and attacks you. The Bible says don't be surprised by the painful ordeal that you're going through. Don't be surprised by the trials that are coming your way. That's what faith in God does. It attracts the enemy's attack. But, but this is what I want you to know. Falling and losing your ground every time the devil pushes on you a little bit is an indicator of a faith problem because my Bible tells me that we are guaranteed victory through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It tells me that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And that's why Paul, when describing the spiritual warfare that we would encounter in Ephesians chapter 6, he admonished us, watch this, to take up the shield of faith. Why? Because he says, by it, you will extinguish all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So that's how I know. If you're falling down, you're, you've got a faith problem because faith is a defensive weapon that protects you. It keeps you standing even with the enemy throwing everything he's got your way. And this is why the scripture says what it does in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 9. I love this verse. It says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. That's so true. Faith is foundational. It is the very substance and essence of our lives. Literally everything that we are and we do and we become should be formed from the substance that is our faith. But as I continued to study this verse out, I found out that there were other uses for this Greek word hypostasis as well. I discovered that this word was also used as a legal term back in biblical times. 
and that if someone used this word hypostasis in a legal proceeding, what that word meant was is that there was an entire body of work. There was ample documentation in place to back up a person's claim. In other words, your argument had standing because it was built on a mountain of evidence. Trent, I want you to use this word one day in court. I want you to say, if you look at the hypostasis, and when they're like, we don't know that word, you just be like, well, you're not educated. <laughs> no, you just throw that out there. That would be so good. I'm going to be called one day to be a character witness, and I'm going to say that. Well, the body of their work is actually a hypostasis. It's going to be great. But what's interesting to me is that many Bible scholars, they actually believe that that's what the writer of Hebrews was trying to convey when he used this word here. So if that's true, then the translation would be this. It would be, now faith is the title deed. Faith is the title deed of things hoped for, the proof of things which are not seen. The title deed. That's how they translate that word. And they would argue that for the believer, your faith is the entire body of documents, the evidence, the proof that what you claim is really yours. Your faith is the proof of your ownership. And as I read that, it got me thinking back to when Carmen and I closed on our home. And I remember this so much because we closed on our home the day after we launched Life Chapel. And it was kind of a crazy time in our lives. In fact, Nora had just been born a month and a half prior to that. So Nora was born we were building a home, we were moving in, we were launching a church. We were kind of crazy back then, and we would not do that again, I'm just telling you. But I remember the closing as we built our house out in Banning Lewis Ranch because we sat in that office of that title company for hours, and we signed all of this documentation. You see that? This is like 500 pages of stuff. Have you guys ever been through that where you're signing on a house? And it's like, we got to be done. And then they bring out a whole other thing of, of papers. And, uh, you know, they're halfway explaining what it is. And you're like, I, I could be signing my life away. I really don't know what I'm signing at this point. My hand doesn't even feel like it's attached to my body anymore. So my signature looks weird. But that's, that's what it was. It was the day after we launched the church. And, and, and we poured through every one of these documents in this packet and and there were hundreds of them and every single one of them was needing our signature and 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 it was sealed documenting that we were going to become the owners of this home every single paper we signed had my name on it and with every paper that I signed as I poured through all the documentation there was stronger evidence and stronger proof that this house really did indeed belong to me because my name was on 500 sheets of paper saying that it was mine. And see, that got me to thinking. If this is really what the Holy Spirit meant when he inspired the writer of Hebrews to use that word, hypostasis, then to me, it creates quite a word picture of what God has done for us. Because see, my faith is my title deed. Think about that. My faith is the entire body of documents that proves that I am the owner of what the title says. 
It is page after page of documented proof that I am indeed a child of God. You know what that means, that I'm a child of God? It means that I am an heir of God, an heir of the inheritance, a joint heir with Christ Jesus. That means that I am the rightful owner of every single promise God has ever spoken over my life. Every single page has my name on it, and the seal and the signature of God is right next to my name. This title deed was hand-delivered to me by Jesus when he died on the cross, and his blood has given me a guarantee to every right and claim outlined in my faith so that my entire past, hallelujah, my entire past is covered by his blood. My right now, my present is covered by his blood. My future is also predetermined and covered by his blood. Listen to me. That means that your past is forgiven, healed, redeemed, and restored. How do I know that? The title deed says so. I've got an entire body of documentation that proves that I am the recipient of the grace of God. It proves that the old is gone and the new is here. It says that the old man was crucified with Christ and no longer lives. No, I've been raised to new life. Hallelujah. In Christ Jesus, I'm not who I used to be. I've been set free by the bounds of sin and shame. His seal is on it. And he has written his name next to mine, guaranteeing his promise in my life. And on top of that, as I look back over my life, I see evidence on top of evidence, evidence on top of evidence that God has been true to his word, that his promises are indeed yes and amen to the glory of God the Father. My faith is the title deed that declares I no longer reside in sin. I've moved into a new neighborhood called forgiveness. I no longer have to live in shame because I have a new home called set free. I no longer live downtrodden and stuck in defeat. I now live on a street called victory. God has made good on every promise, and I have the title deed right here in the Word of God proving that my faith in God is real, that it's not just something I made up and conjured up in my own mind because His Word is the proof that it's real. There's something there. There's substance to what my faith is. God has made good on every promise, and we've got the title deed to prove it. But this is what I want you to understand. Your faith in that title deed is not just connected to your past. It's not just connected to what God's done. His promises are also good for my future. See, when I signed on to buy this house back in 2014, I knew what I was getting. I knew that I was getting walls and floors. I knew that I was getting a garage. I knew that I would have a roof on the house. I knew that I would have bathrooms and bedrooms and a kitchen. I knew that because we saw all of that. We inspected the house to make sure it was moving ready before we closed on it. But what I didn't see with my physical eyes when we closed on the house is what we hoped for. And see, that's the next part of this verse in the working definition of this word faith. Faith is the title deed of things hoped for. See, we knew what we were receiving when we signed on to buy the house, but there was also things that we hoped we would receive when we moved into it. There were things we hoped would happen when we bought this house. It was things like this would be a great place to raise our family. We hoped that would be the case, but we didn't know for sure. We hoped that this house would offer safety and protection. We hoped that it would be a place full of joy and peace. When we bought the house, we hoped that it would be a place 
to enjoy movie nights with our kids and family dinners around the table, spiritual conversations at their bedside, and the joys of watching them mature and grow into beautiful, smart, successful young ladies in that very house. That's what we hope for. We hope that this house, this home, would be a place that would help us strengthen our marriage, our safe place to get real with one another and have honest conversations without fear of retribution or attack. We hope that our house would be a place to heal together when we went through difficult seasons. We hope that our house would be a place that we would get to fall in love with each other over and over and over again. That our house would be a place where we could do life together and grow old together. That's what we hope for. We hope that this house would be a place where we could foster meaningful relationships with friends as well. We hope that this house would be a place where we could do life groups and growth track and impress people with my Traeger skills. Still a work in progress. But we hope, that was our hope when we bought this house. I remember when we bought it. That's one of the things that we were excited about. We can't wait to have people over. We can't wait to have them here. We hoped it would be a place that others would find benefit from as well. This is what I'm trying to tell you. In Christ Jesus, we don't just have the ample documentation of what he's done on the cross and through the resurrection. We also have the hope of what he's going to do. We have the hope of things we have not even realized yet. And you know what? It never stops. It never stops. You know why? Because you may have a title deed on a house down here, but you've also, hallelujah, you've also got a title deed on a house up there, and you're, he's going to keep on working on you until you get to glory. Come on. And walk into your house, your mansion. That's, it's the hope of things we have not even Realize yet, we have faith for what he's done. We have faith that we've received it, that we're walking in it. It becomes foundational, but then it propels us into the things that we hope for. This is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. See, our foundational faith is not just a faith in what he's done. It's a faith in what he's going to do. And it's faith for immeasurably more, more than we could ever ask, more than we could ever imagine because of his power that is at work in us through the Holy Spirit called faith. And because God has already made good on every promise contained in this book over my life, he's made good on every promise already. I can live with zero doubt that he'll make good on everything he's promised for my future as well. As the scripture says, it says, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We're talking about how to build up our faith today and we're starting with the definition of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, meaning that it is substantive. It's got backing to it, but it's also the hope that we're striving for and the scripture goes on. It says that faith is the evidence of things not seen. It is the evidence of things not seen. Now, before we talk about that word evidence, which is a good word. I want to talk about the word things for a minute. The word things. You know, things is such a generic word, isn't it? When someone says, hey, can you hand me that thing? My response is always, even if I think I know what they're talking about, my response is always, what thing? Because it is literally the most generic word. It's right up there with the word it. It could mean anything. Things could mean anything. Hey, bring me that thing. I, girl, I don't know what you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? 
<laughs> but in this case, the word things is not generic. When it's talking about our faith, the word things actually has some substance to it. And this is, this is what I want you to know. Things come from the Greek word pragma. Pragma. It's where we get the English word pragmatic, which means matter of fact. So it's not just random things. It's not just arbitrary things. It's not just things I've dreamed up or things I've conjured up. It's things that have been accomplished. It's things that have already been done. It's things that have become a matter of fact. And now I find it very interesting that when you are defining the word faith, that it uses this word, pragma, because most people that would consider themselves to be pragmatic people would not consider themselves to be people of faith. They would say that people of faith are living in a land of make-believe, and I am pragmatic myself. I am living in the real world. So you go ahead and believe something that's not there. Go ahead and believe something you can't see. I'm too pragmatic for that. Well, this is what I love about the Bible. The actual definition of faith in the Bible contains the word pragma on purpose because Faith is a thing that is based in fact. It is a thing that has been accomplished. Faith is a matter of fact. And this is what the scripture is saying. It's saying that people who live by faith are actually living by fact. People of faith are utterly and absolutely convinced that the things that they believe are a matter of fact and not wishful thinking. It does not matter that they can't see it. They know it's there. It doesn't matter what the first report said. They know there's another report coming. It doesn't matter what the obstacles are that are standing in the way. Those are just giants waiting to be knocked down and Red Seas waiting to be parted. See, when you live by faith, you live by fact. Not in something that you made up, but in something God has said and spoken over your life. According to the Bible, when I put my faith in God, I put it in the one who cannot and will not ever fail me. The Bible says it is impossible for him to fail. And so my faith is as good as fact. And when I live my life from the foundation of faith, listen to this, miracles are the norm. <laughs> miracles are a regular occurrence. When you live your life from a foundation of faith, then the impossible becomes possible daily. When you live your life from a foundation of faith, you are walking in the blessing of God. You are blessed and highly favored. Why? Because my faith in God is real and my faith in God has substance to it and you're literally walking that out. When you live by faith, watch this, you regard future things as present things. When you live by faith, it doesn't matter that things are not outwardly seen. You can see them with your inward eye. You see them because your faith has told you that they're there. And you may not be able to explain that to someone in a pragmatic way, but the force and the promise of God is so strong and so true in you that pragmatically you are living out that reality day to day. Listen, that's why you can't destroy someone who's walking by faith. You can throw everything you want to at them, but you cannot destroy them because they are constantly living in hope that there is something better coming. I can see it. They're like, dude, wake up. You're going through all this stuff. No, 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 no. You don't see what I see. There's something better coming. See, the, the circumstances I'm dealing with right now, the suffering that I'm going through, it's producing perseverance and character in me. And what's on the other side of that is hope. And I can see the hope coming. 
You can't see it, but I can see it because my faith is driving me towards that. They're constantly living in hope that what is ahead is better. The future is brighter than what they're facing right now. That even if you were to kill me, you would be doing me a favor because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You can't destroy a person with faith. You can't do it. And faith, listen, it is the evidence. It is the proof that these things will indeed come to pass, even though you haven't seen them yet. And this is what the Greek word for evidence means right here. This is so cool. This word for evidence means that it is unfolding before you. So it's the evidence of things unseen. You're like, it's not unfolding. You're like, yeah, it is. You don't see it? It's like you're rolling out the carpet. And someone's standing by just waiting to see the finished work, and they don't see that that carpet is rolling out, and every time you take a step, there's more evidence of the grace of God. Hey, listen, some of y'all, you shouldn't even be here right now, and you know that's true. Some of y'all, God has been so good to you, and if you look back over your life, you would see that you were walking, and you didn't know what was going to happen next, but the grace of God was walking with you, and you just kept walking by faith, and every step you took was ordered by the Lord and led by the Spirit of God, and you're walking into purpose, and you're walking with provision, and you're walking with His power on your life, and people around you couldn't see it, but there was evidence constantly of the goodness of God, of the grace of God. It is an unfolding of evidence. You may not be able to see it, but I can see it evidence all along the way that what should have killed me and should have taken me out could not touch me because I am a recipient of the promise of God in my life. Come on and give him praise if you believe that. (laughs) Evidence means there is a demonstration happening right now. I think about what Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians when he said to them, he said, I did not come to you with wise and persuasive words of man's wisdom. I came to you with the power and the demonstration of the Spirit of God. And that's what living by faith is. There is a demonstration of the evidence that you're walking by faith because there is a demonstration of the power of God at work in your life. Even though you can't see it yet, trust me, it's happening. And listen to me today, church. If we're going to build our faith beyond where we've always been, We've got to stop thinking the way we've always thought about things. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We've got to start thinking things differently. We've got to start thinking differently than we've ever thought. We've, we've, we've got to stop saying, well, I've never experienced that before, so I guess I won't experience that. No, no. God wants to do impossible things in you. God wants to work miracles in you. It doesn't matter that you've never experienced that kind of glory in your life before. I'm telling you, if you will start walking by faith, God will do more than you could ever ask or imagine. It's certainty. Faith is certainty about what you cannot see, but it is certainty that it is coming. I want you to look at what God said in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. The people here were struggling to see beyond their circumstance. They were stuck in captivity. Their faith was broken down. But look what God said to them in Isaiah 43, 19. He said to them, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Watch this. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. He's telling them, hey, guys, you got to stop living by sight and start living by faith. Open your spiritual eyes and see what God is doing. I want the band to come up and begin to play softly as we get ready to close today. But listen to me. This is what Jesus commended 
so many people for if you read the Gospels. And it's literally in every Gospel, it's story after story. Over and over and over again, you read that Jesus commended the faith of the people that he would end up healing. It was their faith that drove them to the place where they could experience his power and be healed. It took faith for them to see something beyond their current reality. It took faith for them to believe. I know I'm sick right now, but I don't have to stay sick. Come on. Come on. And and listen, that's on you. That's on you and me. That's living by faith and not by sight. I'm sick right now, but I don't have to stay sick. So my faith is going to cause me to leave the place where I've been living and drive me to Jesus where I can be healed. It was faith that caused the blind man to shout out above the crowd as he heard the trampling in the crowd. He's asking, what's going on here? What's happening? What's all this noise from? And somebody said, Jesus of Nazareth is coming into town. And he immediately stopped whatever he was doing and he screamed out with a loud voice over the crowd. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped in his tracks and he said, who said it? And they're pointing to the blind man. That guy, he's been blind his whole life, Jesus. Jesus pulled him up by the hand and he said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, I want my sight. And this is what Jesus said. He said, as your faith, so be it to you. And he was healed in that moment. I'm telling you, faith, faith, faith to take you from the place you are to the place where God wants you to be. That's what faith is. It drives us into God's calling and his purpose for our lives. And listen to me. I'm telling you that there is an entire body of work that you cannot presently see. But just as sure as I'm standing here today, it is waiting on you. It has your name on it if you will exercise faith to believe. Faith is the evidence. It is the proof that what I cannot see right now with my physical eyes is coming by the grace of God. And it's got my name on it. Come on, stand with me all across the room right now. That next verse in Hebrews chapter 11, after he gives us the definition of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the next verse, verse 2, this is what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, this is what the ancients were commended for. And then he takes the rest of this chapter and he walks through the Old Testament stories that we all know. He walks us through characters that we know about. And he shows us how they lived their life by faith. That how they activated faith in their life and what, what happened because of it. They were, they were people who lived like their future was their present. They were people who lived like what was unseen was clearly visible. It was clear as day. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to dive into some of their stories because I really believe it's going to help build faith in us. But let me ask you something today. With every head bowed and every, every eye closed, nobody looking around. Where's your faith level right now? Where's your faith right now? Can you say you're living your life by faith right now? Can you say your faith in God is real, that it has substance to it? Can you say that it's foundational to your life, that everything that you're doing, everything that you've become, everything that you are becoming is flowing from this faith in God, this firm foundation? Can you say today with certainty that 
that your faith is actually propelling you into the things that you hope for. Maybe you're here today and, and you've been placing your hope in different things other than God. You wouldn't be alone in that. The Bible talks a lot about that. David said, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots. I trust in the name of the Lord. It's easy to do that. It's easy to get your eyes off Jesus and start putting your hope in something else. If only I had this, it would bring fulfillment to my life. If only I could have this, what they have, it would make me feel better about myself. It would give me what I want. Faith that's real is driving you into the hopes that God has for your life. Can you say that's the way you're living your life right now? And is it causing you to see beyond your current reality right now? Come on. These are honest questions I want you to answer honestly in your heart right now. Are you fixated and stuck on what is right in front of you and you can't see beyond that? Or do you see there's, there's, there's a hopeful future coming? I don't see it right now, but just as sure as I'm standing here, it's coming. I see it by faith. Are you living by faith today? If you can't answer yes to those questions, then let me tell you what God wants to do in your life today. He wants to raise up your faith level. He wants to build faith in you because I'm telling you that God has more for you than what you're right now experiencing and what you've experienced in your past. God has more. He's got more for you. And we're going to sing this song in just a minute. And as we do, I just want you to get honest with the Lord and say, God, I need to build up my faith. I need, I need to trust you again. I need to start, start living my life for you. I need to start following your path and your plan for my life. I need to, I need to restore the foundation of my faith that I'm standing on. Lord, because things have gotten shaky and it's been shifting. And God, I, I know that I have a faith problem. I need to work on that today. And I believe that as you get real with God, he's going to minister to you. And he's going to help you increase that faith. It's going to be just like it was for the disciples when they said, Lord, we want to believe. Help us increase our faith. And he did it. He'll do that for you today as well. Let me pray for you. And then the band's going to lead us. Father, I thank you for your word, God. I thank you for the power of the scripture, Lord. We stand in awe, God, of your word. God, because it is, it is life-giving. It challenges us to our core. Lord, it causes us to think about the way we're living, God. It causes us to reflect on our lives in light of what you've said. And Father, I pray, Lord, right now over this congregation, and Lord, I pray that there would be a rising up of your people in faith, God. I pray, Lord, that faith would be built today, that it would be built and established on the authority of your word. God, I pray for life change to take place today. God, people that have been mired in where they are right now and they don't see a way out, Father, I pray that the eyes of their heart would become enlightened and they would see with eyes of faith that you are not finished with them yet. You're not done with them. You still have wonderful plans, wonderful purpose, wonderful destiny for them in Christ Jesus. Lord, minister to your people today in Jesus' name. Amen.